Blog Talk Radio. So it's faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, then, that you know, a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they was pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about bow totes? Hello, everybody. Hello. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Atheist Roundtable. This is a weekly live call-in show about atheism and agnosticism and belief and non-belief. And tonight it's also about playing games because that's an important thing to do with your life. I'm your host, my name is Andrew Garber, and as always, I just want you to follow me on Twitter and Facebook and all those other things, but I'm going to get to my guests tonight quickly, because, as you know, and I know, I only have a half an hour show, and these guys are freaking awesome. These guys are incredibly awesome. I have J.T. Everhard, who is just, you know, the superstar of atheism, J.T. Everhart, and I also have the hosts of the Game Theory Podcast and the God Theory Podcast, uh, Jeremiah Bean and David Drake. These guys are just cool people. We're going to get to talk to them about the Venn diagram that they're going to draw for us with atheism and gaming. So, gentlemen, welcome to the roundtable. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, thank you. Spend your whole think, half hour going on and lavishing the praise. That was excellent. <laughs> Continue with that. <laughs> I like to revise it. He's the Jesus Christ superstar of atheism. <laughs> yeah, I used to play on the pro circuit. You know, I was good in my time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I've been able to follow JT a little bit longer than I've been able to follow the Game Theory and the God Theory podcast. Uh, I've listened to a couple of the Game Theory podcasts, and they are amazing. Um, I actually had to go to an expert. I had to go to my 10-year-old son and consult him about some of the things you were talking about and say, "Uh, son, what what, what are these guys talking about? He's like, Dad, look, what they're talking about is this awesome game, and it goes like (laughs) this, and they're absolutely right when they say this about that game. Okay, (laughs) son. I, uh, yeah. I perhaps you should should interview these guys because apparently I am admittedly a game novice. I I I, I play tabletop games, but when it comes to video games, I'm kind of stupid. So that's one of the beautiful uh, things about the atheist gamer group. It's for tabletop gamers too. We we talk about what tabletop games are in right now. In fact, we've got a thread of people right now who are trying out Tabletop Simulator on Steam because you can play a bunch of different board games online with your friends that way. So you you could be in. Well, well, I I need to talk. We're, we're going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. But first, can can I just ask why why is there a overlap? between gaming and online gaming or tabletop gaming and atheism. Uh, it seems to me that game, the gamers I've met are like the most welcoming people you could meet, and religion doesn't ever seem to come up um, in gaming. Is, is there a need for atheist gaming then? Oh, man, who wants to field this one? 
So I have an uneducated opinion, but then we can uh, we can go on from there. I think that there's a <laughs> uh, I think that there's a, a sort of uh, a, a yearning for mythology inside of our uh, inside of humans. There's a reason we tell stories, and when you leave religion, you still have the urge to tell fantastic stories. Like just because you give up Jesus Christ doesn't mean you're going to give up Austinian or or Bahamut or Tiamat or any of the other cool gods you can find in a D and D game. So I think this like storytelling urge, it's almost more important for atheists to get into gaming because we still want to tell these epic stories. We just don't want to believe they're literally true. Man, David's an expert in literature. I'm not sure I want to follow him. Uh, well, I mean, I can talk about the uh, social aspects of things. I mean, first of all, like having a social support structure is in- critical in your uh, in your life in general. Um, it's one of the things we assess for when we look for uh, the overall behavioral well-being in psychology. So, um, you know, whenever you're pulled out of your social circles, like a lot of uh, non-believers are, you know, they may not be surrounded by people who are of like mind who are willing to support them. Um, one of the best ways you can do that is through games, which is actually I do a little bit of that research myself. Um, it has pronounced, or pronounced effects. In fact, people are more likely to be pro-social after they play a cooperative game with someone else. So... These are uh, these are critical things that people need to do. And beyond that, like there's a uh, there's a sense of okay, this is kind of incredible. Um, I, I'll try not to talk too long, but this is really fascinating. So chimpanzees, great apes, right? They don't like to fight. Like they don't they, they'll they'll yell at each other and they do this thing called displacement where they walk towards each other and expect you to move. And boundary wars is just them running back and forth at each other. Here's the weird thing: they don't, also don't groom each other often. The females do, not the males. Now, the one time that males do groom each other re- regularly is after they go and murder together, which is strange, right? It reinforces this idea of, like, um, a like band of brothers, you know, like your war buddies. Um, or, like, uh, you know, after you have a significantly stressful situation or um, that, that you go ahead and get into with someone else, you're um, more likely to have, like, an affinity towards them, so... Gaming can be kind of a, a competitive gaming with friends can simulate that sort of feel. So I think it's fascinating, and it's a, it's a good way to to make bonds. Yeah, I think that I can just sit here and listen to it and be like, yep, what they said. <laughs> yeah, if you would just just so that everybody can know who's talking when, uh, just just let people know that uh, maybe I should actually introduce. Have you guys introduce yourselves? Because see, I'm just so damn excited to have all of you on my show, but I forgot to actually have you guys introduce yourselves before asking a question. Because that's the kind of professional show that I run here. <laughs> all about the professionalism. I'll jump into questions without even asking people to tell us about themselves. So let's we'll start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, tell us about yourself and um, stuff. Oh, man, you're asking me to talk about myself. I get the full 30 minutes. Now, um, I am a um, getting my PhD right now in clinical psychology. My research currently, or just was previously, focused on um, violent video games and then cooperative and aggressive behaviors, and I was looking at those, how those things interact. Um, yeah, we are, like, like you mentioned, I'm the host of the Game Theory Podcast with my friend David Drake and also the God Theory Podcast where we talk about Religious matters and irreligious matters. So, awesome, very good. How about if we have David go next? All right, I am David Drake. I've got a master's in French literature, so I tend to approach things from more of a storytelling aspect. Although I don't know how to use a corkscrew to open a bottle of wine, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> other than that, 
<laughs> very classy beyond that level. So it's kind of what I'm trying to do right now. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I was raised Mormon and I currently am no longer. I'm an atheist, and uh, I also host the Game and God Theory podcast. I've known Jeremiah and JT both for what ten plus years now, so kind of a lot of chemistry backstory going into that. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very good. And finally, JT, tell us who you are. Hi. I'm JT. I write a blog about religion, and I started up the Atheist Gamer uh, group with Jeremiah, David, and my brother, Tim. Fantastic. Glorious. Okay, so now everybody knows who you are. Thank goodness I was able to dodge that bullet. (laughs) 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 Okay, so I am a complete noob to all this online gaming stuff. And JT already mentioned, I hope that was JT who mentioned, the the, uh, tabletop simulator thingy. And I did see see a post in the Atheist Gamer group about a thing. And and, and what is that? How does that work? Um, I just got back from my home state. And I I bought the game but I haven't had a chance to install it. Literally, it's on my to-do list after this podcast. So I really can't <laughs> tell you. But the gist I'm getting from everybody else is you can, you can uh, make games, you can mod games to put in there. And right now, it's got pretty much every board game you can imagine. And you just play it with friends online. Wow, that seems incredibly simple and easy to do. It, it is, but you asked the question before, why do we need the Atheist Game Group? Yeah, it's simple, but it does so much. Like if you're in a big city, like me, I'm in Kansas City, it's easy to find other atheists to get together and play games with, but there's a lot of atheists out there, like you know, Neil Carter, this is, you know, bumblefuck Mississippi, where he might think he's the only atheist out there. And because there's such a huge overlap with atheists and nerds and gamers, like a lot of us fit that bill, we naturally want to get together with other people like us. We're not excluding religious people, we want to be around people we know won't judge us. For people in small-town America, that's really important. So if you were in Bumblefuck, Oklahoma, you could get Tabletop Simulator. If you're a board gamer and not a PC gamer, you can find people to play your favorite board game with. And that's great. It gives you a sense of community in a place where you might not necessarily have one. That's incredible. And, and you know, I really... Uh, the, the, I really, we have a local gaming community initiative at the local library once a month. It's something that my son looks forward to every month because it's the one time when he gets to go and play what he calls the grown-up games. Um, and he, <laughs> likes to in, he likes to introduce himself for some reason as, Hi, my name's Corvin. I'm an atheist. Can I play D&D? Um, All right. Uh, and they all kind of look at him like, we, we used to hide yeah. that shit in high school. We used to play D&D. We used to use code words for it. Like, hey, you want to do something <laughs> yeah. daring and dangerous? It was like doing drugs for us. Like, we had to keep it all on the down low. <laughs> yeah, there were many a hasty time where girls would drop by uninvited, and we'd have someone go out and install them while everyone else, like, hid the figurines underneath the stairs and hid the books <laughs> under the couch. Yeah, it was so awkward. Like, we'd meet them in, <laughs> we'd meet them in the driveway, and we're like, hey, so you got shirts and things. Let's talk about it out here. It was so awkward. <laughs> well, well, there's a lot of cars. Are, are, are all the guys here? Yeah, yeah, they're just playing video games downstairs. And the best, we the can't best go part down is there, when yeah. they were like, 
there, they're like, what do you do? I mean, why would everybody, what do they need time for? Are you guys having a gay orgy? We're like, yeah, that's much more socially acceptable. Like, it was <laughs> definitely a gay orgy is what was happening just now. <laughs> and a lot of wow. that comes from, uh, from religious podcast gold right here. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a lot of that was came from the Bible Belt and D and D was satanic. It wasn't it wasn't just social suicide; it was spiritual suicide. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, whenever I was first in, um, introduced to it by to, by David, um, I thought like I was like, wait a minute, is this the game where you cast spells? And he was like, well, I mean, yeah, you kind of do. And I was like, I'm not casting any spells. This is demonic. <laughs> so finally, they showed me. They're like, no, you just roll a, a die. And I was like. Yeah, I did down some ground rules. He's like, listen, first off, number one, we don't call it Dungeons and Dragons, we call it the game. Number two, no spell casting. None of that. I'm playing a fighter. And my fighter is a drug dealer. We're like, that's fine, that seems more moral than being a wizard. So essentially your son is what we wanted to be in high school. Your son can do what we could not. Yeah, he well he, he uh doesn't have uh, much of a Filter, uh, as, as you can imagine, a ten-year-old would not. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, did you join well, I, I, I have to allow him to have a Facebook page. I'm not entirely sure if I'm ready for him to be on Facebook yet or not. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the kids—they grow up so fast these days. It's—it's it's crazy. Um, one of the things that you guys were going to do in, I, I guess it was the Game Theory uh, uh, um, Facebook page, and I think you were going to bring it over to the Atheist Gamers page, was a Chrono Trigger Summer Reading thing. Can, can, can someone tell me why what, what Chrono Trigger is and how a Summer Reading thing is going to work? That's all, David. All right, yeah. So, okay, um, I'm in a book club. And my where I work, I'm a I'm a teacher. I teach French. Nerd, and, nerd, yeah, nerd. <laughs> but one thing I like about it is it exposes me to things I would not have otherwise read, like Brothers Karamazov. Like who's got time for Russian novels in this day and age? But but I've I've read these things. It's fun to get together and like discuss what you've read. And I thought to myself, well, video games are in a way literature. They're a way to tell stories in a different medium. And in some ways, it's a more effective medium because you have the agency that the characters don't have. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, a book club, per se, for classic video games? So we put it up to a poll, and Chrono Trigger kind of won for the first book we're going to do, the first quote-unquote book. So Chrono Trigger is an RPG role-playing game from the 90s. Some would say the best role-playing game of all time on consoles. It's a com- it commonly pops up on those lists. So I guess it's not too surprising it won the vote. Uh, yeah, I've got a reading list posted. I'm going to put it up on the Atheist Gaming Group page, and uh, we're just going to play through certain chunks of the game throughout the month of June and meet up online to discuss you know, what we liked about, what insights we got, what the music, the, the themes, the characters, all that fun literary stuff that normally gets stuck in the you know, Russian novels. You know, Chrono Trigger came out in, what, 1993 or, or thereabouts, somewhere in there, maybe 95. Um, mm-hmm. There's just all these great RPGs, uh, role-playing games coming out for the Super Nintendo and Sega and whatnot. And um, you know, this is back before we had all these amazing graphics where we could make things look realistic. You know, and then you had like all these pixels, uh, and you really had to make up for it with great music, great storytelling. 
Uh, in terms of Chrono Trigger, like it's better than most books I've ever read. It's it's a wonderful story. You know, I think a lot of games are made or broken by the kind of story that they tell. You know, I mean, when we said that that video games are a kind of literature, that that's really very true. There there are a lot of games where you become much more invested in them if if, if a good story is being told, if it's a decent uh, storyline that you're able to follow through and you want to be able to see what happens next with these characters that you're invested in. Um, I, I, I really think that that's a really good point. And I, I've never played Chrono Trigger, so I, I might have to go and get that game so I can uh, so I can play along. Because this, this sounds like fun. I mean, if, if, if there are, I'm assuming different, uh, um, uh, the, 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 there are going to be different ways to approach a similar situation, and that's what you get to talk about at the end of each chapter. Am I even doing yeah, just our impressions of, of the game. Like, it really is. It's a different medium, but these are the storytelling. This is how we tell stories in the States, through film, through TV, through video games. Like, in a thousand years, Chrono Trigger could be up there with the Iliad. It's something that people study for the, the kinds of stories we used to tell. And so, I know it sounds crazy to think about it, and that we might be giving it too much substance, but, you know, as, as a literary guy, like, I see a lot of, a lot of similarities here. And I really it, think that there's some value to be had for, like, the shared experience of, of going through the story together. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, you know, we kind of touched on this on one of our podcasts about there's kind of two. You mentioned that the narrative, the story, is like a really, um, it's kind of a meaningful portion in there. And there really is two kinds of like rewards you can get. There's like a meaningful reward, which a story gives you. You know, you complete some quest or you uh, accomplish something that's meaningful for a character or for a world or whatever. But there's also like a mechanical kind of uh, skill and fun that you can have where. Um, you know, like when you master the control sets or as you get more increasingly difficult battles, you uh, operate in such a way that uh, you, you successfully navigate them. And that's a rewarding experience in themselves. And we kind of were saying that, you know, the best of both worlds, are, are the best games get the, these correct in both instances. And Chrono Trigger really is that way. Like the fighting, uh, the the um, the mechanical, or the skill system is, is really fun. When to use certain abilities, when to juggle like your, your time bars and your mana and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it just works out really well. Plus, the story is just so engaging. So, um, you know, we kind of we kind of think that like uh, the best games out there uh, really resonate on those two points. So that's something that above that you won't really get like a TV show, a movie, or a book. Really, just gives you that narrative um, fun, but you don't get that mechanical fun that uh, that you get in traditional video games. And to throw in with my area of expertise, um, I was actually listening to some of the music from Chrono Trigger earlier today. And um, to, to, keep it, to keep it brief, music nowadays is written in what's called the tonal system generally, but it wasn't always that way. Back in the day, you had what's called different modes. They were called the church modes. And as music became more tonal, they kind of fell out. Hardly any composers write in them anymore. But uh, one of the songs from Chrono Trigger, one of the themes for one of the villains, is actually written in what's called the Phrygian mode. I actually wrote a, a paper in which I included the songs from that game. So back in that area, era when you didn't have all you know, the pretty graphics you do nowadays, they really did succeed based on uh, skill and innovation in other areas like that, like in the music. Wow, that's that's so true. I, we we got again. I, I really should have brought the ten-year-old expert on to the show because he just got from Nintendo um, uh, his new favorite CDs, which were the music from Super Smash Bros. for the Yeah, I just yeah. got that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, 
we approve. <laughs> that 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 is that is all the music we get to listen to in the car. The, those two CDs are the ones we listen to. <laughs> and, but it's really it's really cool. The the, the full symphony uh, scores that are written for this video game. And you know when, when I'm playing the game, I don't, I don't even notice that the music is this uh, that is is this detailed. That it's it's this complicated. But when you're listening to just music and you're just able to focus on it, you're like, wow, this is this is really intense. This is not just, you know, an 8-bit cycling music. This, this this is a full orchestra that I get to listen to just for the menu that loads the, 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 the character selection. That's the thing. Like, I think the artists that and the, uh, and the programmers, but particularly the artists that work on video games are really underrated right now. You get people like uh, Troy Baker, who he actually got an award for his voice acting over Kevin Spacey in a video game. Who's ever heard about him, right? Um, like, most people who don't follow video games don't know who he is. Or, I guess, anime. He's in, into anime as well. But, um, but yeah, And you get these incredible talents. Look at, like, the Mega Man from the NES days. Mega Man 2, one of the best soundtracks in the world, I think. I love it. And uh, and it's just that 8-bit cycling stuff, you know? And I, I just think these people are just, you know, like diamonds in the rough in a uh, kind of a pioneer field. But they're starting to get better. I mean, they're starting to get better, more and more well-paid. Yeah, what's great about that Smash Brothers soundtrack is a lot of those, it's like the apotheosis of these great 8-bit soundtracks that have developed into orchestrations. They started off at their roots just limited by the technology. They had to have strong melodies the way John Williams does. You know, like, bum, 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 You'll instantly recognize a John Williams song because he's got such a strong, solid melody. And that's all these people had to work with on the Nintendo. So then once you orchestrate it, once Smash Brothers comes out, they can add a full symphony to it. Like, it's just... It's a great song built on a solid foundation. Yeah, I mean, okay, so Dave and Jeremiah, you guys are both uh, gamers. Totally. Can, can you hum a song from any game in the last few years? Like, if it comes to your mind, you can hum the song. Uh, I think I can hum the Halo theme if you give me enough time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, can you hum any song from the Nintendo era? Oh yeah. Like yeah. even non gamers can do this. Legend of Zelda, Mario Brothers, like those were great, memorable songs written by extremely talented composers working within a very narrow set of limitations. Yeah. It's like you're like, going to Sebastian Bach and being like, Hey good, you got a cowbell and a desk. Good luck. <laughs> right. And you just add more cowbell in your set. Yeah, right. <laughs> So that's the good thing about this book club, because for us, we lived through that time. We got to experience these things. So now when these, sim- these symphonized, uh, uh, orchestrated versions of all these songs come out, for us, there's a lot of nostalgia. But we're getting old. For a lot of these people, they didn't get to experience that era when, even though the technology was limited, they had access to some of the greatest games and greatest stories in the history of ever. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see people get to see experiences for the first time. People like you, Andy. Yes, I do. I am going to have to be one of the people that gets to experience these things for the first time. Uh, in, in fact, uh, you know, uh, if it weren't past his bedtime, I would have had him <laughs> on here uh, because there, I, um, he was giving me a 30-minute dissertation of uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Is this a game? Um, yeah. yeah. Might be a movie soon. It, that's yeah. what he was telling me, and that uh, <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I'm not into a lot of, I guess it's a horror game, but he thought that it was just the most awesome thing that there ever was. Uh, since since we're coming a little short on time here, uh, and, and and we don't have to, we don't have a hard cutoff at, at, at a half an hour, but, but Blog Talk Radio gets a little bit mad at me if we go too far over. Um, when people get together, is, is there a lot of uh, socializing uh, opportunity when people are, are doing these kinds of things online together? Um, and, and, and I'm just asking because I, I don't know anything about this stuff. My son has a Steam account, okay? I don't, all right? So uh, I just I just realized that when you guys were talking about Steam in the in the groups, that that was the Steam that the kid is using to go and play games behind my back. So I, I didn't realize that that was the same thing. Yeah, yeah we're, we're we're kind of coming up with this as we go along. And I think right now the feeling we have is we want to uh, make it possible for people to be as social as they want to be. Like there's no pressure on you to be X level of social. You can be very minimally social. You can be extremely social. Uh, it's just up to you. There's no pressure on you to do anything else. Yeah, the way technology shrinks worlds is you can have people who didn't know each other at all six months down the line all in a Google Hangouts just talking as they play Heroes of the Storm. So it just depends on how much they want to engage. Yeah, and, and you can have, like, meaningful interactions. I mean, you know, you get people who will experience a real loss, whether it's in a video game or real life. It's, you know, it matters a little less, obviously, but because of context. But, like, if someone dives onto a grenade for you in a video game, you're still, like, and if there's, like, a substantial like penalty for that, like maybe a five minute timeout for that character, you're like, whoa, dude, that was really cool. Thanks. You know, so that they're enhancing your experience in real life for their in real life suffering. And so I've made some good friends like that, like in Halo, or not Halo, um, Tears of the Storm and in uh, first person shooters like Battlefield 3. I had some people, you know, do nice things for me, like picking up a helicopter in a, in a hot zone. I was like, man, I was getting hit by rockets. You guys are awesome. And then I made like real friends from them because they're like, yeah, never leave a person behind, man. It's cool. And I don't know, like, Yes, it's like a simulated environment, but there are real-world penalties for dying. You know, video games are designed to punish you for dying, like whether they restart you at the very beginning of the level or whatever, make you sit out for a while or lose money or gold. But somebody in real life is experiencing real-life suffering for helping you. So you can actually, you know, I don't know, like gain appreciation, maybe even friendship from that. That's awesome, guys. I, that That is just amazing. I, I really think that, uh, that, that the... Uh, the atheist gamers thing should be uh, should sh- should be something that everybody goes to check out. You know, I, I run a small monthly meetup with my local atheists here in, in in Terre Haute, Indiana, where I live. The big star every time that we that we get together is first we get together and we eat, yeah whatever food, but then Cards Against Humanity comes out. And that's that. That's the star, right? That's that's the whole point. Is we just want to get together to play a stupid card game and 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 see if we can see if reading these things out loud will make the table next to us blush. That's what we want to do. <laughs> you know, I believe Cards Against Humanity is a mod for Tabletop Simulator. So you know, you've got your gaming crew, but now people in the furthest reaches of Republican America. Uh, can reach out and have a community, a, a virtual community, 
just like you do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is yeah, amazing. Yeah, it amazes me uh, because there's so many gamers in atheism. Like, you see this group taking off. There was never a hub for atheist gamers. Like, I can't believe nobody thought of this. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I see a lot of people playing. That, that One of the things that we want to do is be able to play games together. I mean, that's one of the things that we always want to do. And, and, and in an atheism movement, there's, all, there's often a cry for activism. And, and activism is important. But I think part of activism is forming communities. And one of the great ways to form communities is around something recreational, like games. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful basis to form a, a, a recreational group and a social group. That's, that's perfect. I think that's yeah, the way the atheist movement is changing. Like back when I first got into it, the big thing was learning all the arguments for God's existence and refuting them. And now, man, everybody knows them. Like people like me who got into the movement that way are out of a job. And it seems like now the for people to leave church, because we know there's a lot of atheists who stay in church because that's how they think their kids get friends. It's how they get along in their town. It's how they have a social life. Uh, and if we're building these communities effectively as atheists, it gives people a way to leave and be safe and not judged. Uh, and I really think that's the future of the atheist movement. Right. It would be unite around the, around a non-belief, but if you can unite around a non-belief plus a hobby or an appreciation for good food or whatever it is, that builds you a more solid foundation than just we all don't believe in unicorns. Now what? Yeah, and there's something really important that a lot of people neglect nowadays, um, especially in American culture. We're obsessed with work due to our Puritan kind of hand-me-down, but um, the uh, self-care. This is something that, like, you know, when I do therapy, I work with people quite a bit, and you'll get these really successful people coming in, and they're just like, I'm depressed or I'm anxious or whatever. My life's a shambles. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about self-care, which is like, just look at what it sounds like, taking care of yourself, right? Like giving yourself, like scheduling out some non, non-guilt, non some guilt-free time for yourself to engage in a hobby. And uh, whether it be running or exercise or, uh, you know, video games or, you know, fantasy football, whatever your thing is, Schedule that time out, and then do that. And the best thing to do is if you can get people involved with that, of that are you know of like mind. So, really, this is one of the most important parts for um, like psychological health is engaging in yeah self care with people who are going to make you feel bad during those times. Awesome, outstanding. Okay, so uh, let's go in reverse order for final thoughts. Uh, JT, final thoughts for the evening. Obviously, this is something I'm incredibly passionate about. I grew up with games. They've never left my life. Atheism is obviously the passion of my life, and just getting to combine the two, it's, God, it, it, it makes me excited in a way I haven't been in a really long time. Uh, and to have people like you get excited with me and invite us on your show to talk about it uh, and make people aware of it, and then to see the people come into the group after appearances like this, it just means the world to me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. The honor, seriously, is all mine. David, what are your final thoughts? We can leave behind religion, but we still want mythology. We still want battles against evil. We still want heroes to triumph. We still want to succeed on these epic adventures with our friends. And since we don't have the Bible, why not play Diablo, you know? <laughs> Let's kill some demons. <laughs> oh, yes. That is, yes, right on. Jeremiah, take us out. Hey, well, I was just going to say, like, as far as, like, people, I have obviously a passion for people and people living to their optimum health, like, in all different directions. And 
I just think that like this is something where I'd love to see a community built around. I love seeing like a thriving community of people who aren't jerks, you know. And it's hard to find that, um, and a lot of places on the internet. Go figure. And uh, but I found that this page in particular, everyone's just awesome. So I just would love to see this grow more for people to get involved and for people of all different calibers, you know, hardcore quote unquote gamers who play hours a day all the way down to like, you know, the candy crush phone person on the weekend. Like it doesn't matter. We can all hang out. So I would encourage anyone to check it out and, you know, be a part of the movement. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. Thank you very much. You guys are all my new, my new heroes. Yeah. Every one of you. If you want more information about how you can find JT or David or Jeremiah, check the show notes for this episode. I've got links to their stuff and to the uh, groups on Facebook. Check them out and check out the podcasts because uh, the Game Theory podcast is incredible, and I'm sure the God Theory podcast is just as amazing. I'm really enjoying the Game Theory. It's one. Of, it's it's the podcast that I now listen to that is not uh, all about atheism. So, cool. Well, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. yeah so thank, you thank you guys so much. And my computer. Uh, this is this is normally where I play the outro, but my computer just froze on me, uh, and so now I can't click the outro button. Isn't that awesome? Uh, this is so this. I said there weren't going to be any uh, problems tonight, and, 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 and there weren't until just now. Wow. We could do some mouth music of video games. We could all just hum an outro. We all, you all just want to hum an outro? <laughs> wow. Let's say, Let's all let's hum say, a I'll, different I'll, one. Dude, I'll, I'll make up for my point earlier where I said people can hum songs from games from back in the NES. We can do one from Chrono Trigger right now. I'll start humming it, and they'll both know it. It's Frog's theme from from Chrono Trigger. It's one of my favorite songs ever. Hey, that that is that is amazing. So. That, that's the outro tonight, guys. Because uh, <laughs> that I, I can't, I can't hit the button. That's, that, there, there, there is no button. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys having coming on my show. Take care. Sure. Game on. Take care. Good night. I can't even hang. I can't even hang up. Can you believe that? I can't. I'm gonna have to just hang up the phone. <laughs>